0: Good morning. Good to see you this morning. Those of you that today is your first time here at First Charlotte, we're glad that you're here. Uh, We have a gift for you today. We'd love to meet you outside under our orange tent just after the service and give you that gift. We'd love to do Chick-fil-A for you this week. Those of you that are joining us online, we're so grateful to have you too. Glad you're joining us for worship uh, as well. Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn them to the book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3 is where we're going to be in just a moment. And this past weekend my life and my family's life has changed drastically uh, forever i think and it came by the way of a couple of gifts that i got for my birthday Um, one of those gifts was i got a smoker and the other gift was i got a homemade ice cream maker and this weekend we tried them out and uh can i tell you something about this i don't know anything about doing either of those things. So I came to this with, as a complete novice. And I'm not very picky on barbecue. I mean, as long as it came from an animal, I'll eat it. It doesn't matter to me whether it came from a pig or a cow or a chicken or, or any other kind of animal. I'm not afraid to eat it. Uh, just put some smoke on it and I will delight in it. Um, but that's not everyone's case. It's got to be good. And I had no idea how to smoke anything. And I had no idea how to How to to make homemade ice cream. And so we relied this weekend. I didn't really want to call anybody and ask, though some of you are experts in that. I didn't really want to bother you because ultimately what would have happened is that I would have just had you come over and do it yourself um, and do it for me. But that's not the point. We need to do more. I need to do this on my own. So I, like any man, turned to Pinterest for my recipes. And found a recipe for ribs that I decided to do, and found a recipe for homemade ice cream. Not knowing at all what to do, I mean, I just simply followed everything that was on that list, and we went through it line by line, following it, and um, depended upon someone not lying to us in this. So, depended upon what Pinterest said and what this recipe said, and, and it turned out okay. Um, okay, we got work to do, probably need to find some better recipes. But I tell that story to to say this. We wouldn't have known how to do any of that were it not for a recipe, were it not for strict and helpful instructions, something to guide us through and to show us how how to make homemade vanilla ice cream and what to do and what to all put in it and, and how to make the uh, how to make the whole machine work, wouldn't have known how to do anything with, with ribs, had I not seen how to make a rub, how to, uh, how to, how to season your smoker, and, and how long to put it in, when to wrap it, do all those kind of things. Would not have known any of that stuff were it not for an instruction manual or a recipe chart. There's a great deal of the most important things in life. And for that matter, humanity, and creation, and this world, that we would be utterly and absolutely lost were it not for an instruction manual, an explanation, an insight, and a how-to. Whether it's on your phone or in your hands, essentially, that's what God's Word is for us. It is a recipe. It is an instruction manual. It is a how-to. It is an explanation of how the world works, who God is, and what is most important that we need to know about. This summer, we're going through our values as a church that we hold dear and that we would say are core and central to our church and the past few weeks we looked at Jesus is exalted and exclusive here at First Baptist and the second value that we have as a church is that the Bible is foundational and central that we are unashamedly a church that believes the Bible that teaches and preaches the Bible and believes that God's word is true accurate and sufficient for our lives and to reveal to us the way of salvation. For 188 years at First Charlotte, men have stood behind this desk and faithfully proclaimed God's word. And I believe that is one of the reasons why 188 years later, we're still here. Because we as a church have held the Bible as central in our teaching and our church. But why? What's the big deal? Why does it matter? And why does it matter to you and to me personally? That's what I want to talk to you about this morning. And I think it comes on a day that as we land on this, a very unique day because as, even as we look at our country and our nation, One of the things that's made our nation so unique and so special is that it is undoubtedly, clearly, a nation whose laws and principles and foundation has been built based upon certain truths that have been revealed through God's word justice system and our laws, our sense of morality, liberty, our republic, our nation has been built upon the Bible. Why is the Bible so important? Why is the Bible important to me? Why is the Bible one of the central values of our church? That's what I want to share with you this morning, and I want to show it with you just a couple of quick verses, brief verses that explain the significance and the importance and why we teach and preach the Bible and why it is one of the most valuable things that we as a church have. Would you stand in honor of God's word and draw your attention to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says to Timothy. He says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us, that you would illuminate your word to our lives. You would apply it to us. And it would be part of our day and journey. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. The Bible is so important. The Bible is foundational for us. And the Bible is something that we deeply need in our lives. Because, first of all, it is his word. It's very clear what Paul says here. It's not hard to grasp and understand what he says when he says this phrase in verse 16. All Scripture is breathed out by God. Spoken by God. As you speak, your breath comes out. The idea is that the Scripture, the Bible is God's Word. He speaks. It's His spoken Word to us. So all Scripture, all of it, is credited as the author being God. All Scripture is breathed out. The originator and the author of all Scripture is God. 49 times in the epistles, this word Scripture or graphe is mentioned. And in those 49 times, with the exception of two, it refers to the Old Testament. It was seen, it was understood by Jews that that the Old Testament writing was Scripture that it was God's word. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20 and 21, we have an explanation of how we got it. It says this, Peter describes this in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. No prophecy was ever produced by, listen, the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. How do we get the Bible? How do we have the book that's in our hands? How do we possess and, and receive these words? Well, the, what Scripture reveals about how it happened and, and why we can call this guy's word is that God, through the power of his Holy Spirit, inspired men and communicated to them through their personalities and their situations what he wanted to reveal to us. And through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit upon these chosen men's life, they recorded what God spoke through them, to them, and in their situation and scenario. So that we can confidently say that what is written here is God's Word. Peter tells us how, how they were carried along in the Spirit to receive it. So we know that's clear of the Old Testament. And the Old Testament, even in the New Testament, is quoted many, many times. But I want to draw your attention to something else. Because as Paul writes this, when he says all Scripture, is he even speaking of the Scripture he was pinning as he wrote this? Because we look at this today as Scripture. We don't just look at the Old Testament. We also look at the New Testament of this. Was Paul referring to just the Old Testament here? Or was he referring to what he was writing even at the very moment? There's two important references that make us understand that the New Testament is to be seen as God's word, the same as the Old Testament. In 2 Peter chapter 3, Peter speaks of Paul's writing. In verse 15, he's writing to a group of believers, and he says this, And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, because as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him. Notice this. Where did the wisdom come from that Paul wrote with, was given to him? Verse 16, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. So he's referring to all of Paul's letters that he writes, writes in wisdom that's given to him. And then it says this, there are some things in them that are hard to understand. Can anyone amen that about the Bible? That there's stuff that we read sometimes that's hard to understand. And certainly, as you look at the New Testament, some of Paul's writings are kind of difficult to figure out and understand because he speaks really deep. He gives us some deep stuff that God reveals through him. And then he says, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction. And notice this as they do the other scriptures. What Peter is doing here is he is calling. Even Paul's letters, the same word, Scripture. Paul makes a reference in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 18. He quotes an Old Testament proverb in the Old Testament law do not muzzle an ox while it treads the grain. And then he says this. So he says, Scripture says, do not muzzle an ox while it treads the grain, and a worker deserves his wages. Now, if you look at the full entirety of the Old Testament, you will not find anywhere in the Old Testament that statement, a worker deserves his wages. Where did Paul get that scripture from? It comes from the book of Luke. When Jesus said it worker deserves his wages. So we see both Paul and we see Peter speaking of the words of the New Testament connecting them with Scripture. So as we can understand what Paul is saying here, all Scripture, what he is saying here is that the entirety of Scripture from front to back that we have that we hold in our hands is from the mouth of God. To read it is to hear him speak. And because it's His word, it's true. Jesus said in John 17 verse 17, "Sanctify them by your truth, Your word is truth. Because this is God's word, it's true. Now, there's a lot of people today that would argue and that say the Bible is myth. That it's a book of mythology, that it's no different than Roman mythology, it's no different than many other mythologies, and Greek mythology, and many, many others. That it's just a book of mythology, stories carried down from generation to generation, kind of folklore and, and cute stories about certain things. That it's a myth. Is the Bible a myth? Can we believe these stories is true? Do, do, do we look at these and think, man, somebody made these up or, or just carried this on as folklore and myth? Well, the Bible says of itself in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, very clearly, for we did not follow cleverly devised myths. The Bible is 66 different books written across three continents in three different languages, with over 40 authors. Most of those authors. That put together these 66 books that God spoke through. Have never even met each other. Because. It was put together and written. Over a time period of over 1500 years. And throughout this all the way from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation. Revelation. There are a number of things that that were said dates, locations, places, people, wars, situations. If it's anything, it's a historical document, it's a book of history because it explains things as though history happened. And these things took place. So if that's the case, then you would think that there would be people that would figure out whether these things are accurate and true. That there would be historians that would, that would try to figure out whether these things, as they're described, actually happened. And such is the case. In its history, over 23,000 archaeological digs have happened that have been related to events, dates, and settings that the Bible talks about. And not one of them. Has ever contradicted or disproved that the events described in the Bible were incorrect. Rather, they've all confirmed. In fact, in Luke chapter one, as Luke pins his gospel, he says that's the very intent of this. He wants to give an accurate account, a clear account. Of the events and life of Jesus Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Luke was not a fool, nor was he a crazy man. He was a physician, he was a doctor. He writes with accuracy for the purpose of proving and clearly stating what went down. Names, places, people of the Bible, all verifiable. Because it's God's word, it's true. and this is why it matters for us as a church and for us as individuals we need the truth nobody likes to be lied to and nobody likes half truths nobody likes fluff nobody likes superficial we want authenticity and we want the truth. Have you ever asked a person a question, a a direct question, and in their answer to you, they gave some superficial, long way around and never actually answered your question? I cannot stand that when people do that. I cannot stand to watch interviews and debates and different things where a clear question, simple question, in fact, the question is simply answered, yes or no, and there's some long drawn out, well-spoken, well-said thing that doesn't directly answer the question. That doesn't help anyone. It doesn't help anyone to tell to something halfway. And it certainly doesn't help anyone. In fact, does harm to other people when something is said and we believe it and it ends up being false. The Bible is God's word. And because it's his word, it's true. And we need the truth. In a world that is full of fake and phony and lies and deception, we need truth. And it doesn't get any truer and authentic than God's word. Which is why we as First Charlotte preach and teach God's word. And it's why you and I as individuals need God's word, because it's his word. And because it's his word, it's true. And because it's true, Paul goes on and he tells us that it's profitable. See, it's not just that God's word is true and that it's his word. It's also that it does something because it's true. You see, there's a reason behind the truth and there's an effect of the truth. And that effect is what he says right here. All scripture is breathed out by God and it is profitable For teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. It's his word, and we preach and teach God's word as a church. We hold it as foundational as a church, and we need it in our lives because it's profitable. The word of God works, is what this is saying. is that it benefits us. It helps us. There is a profit to his word. His word has a purpose, and his purpose is always accomplished. God's word prospers God tells us about that his word in Isaiah chapter 55 verse 11 God tells us this "So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth it shall not return to me empty but it listen shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it God is telling us right there is that when he speaks he does when he says something will happen, it will happen. That God's word goes forth and it accomplishes what it sets out to do. It's not just a word, it's a word that has backing and that will take place. God's word accomplishes what it says. We can't do that, you and I. We cannot accomplish everything we say we're going to accomplish. We can demand things, we can say things, but we don't have the power and authority behind it, but God does. So when God speaks... He does. Prospers. So what we need to understand is that everything written in this book is not just from God and true, but any promise he makes, anything he foretells, anything he warns of, Anything he instructs us in and guides us in through will happen. It's effective. It accomplishes what it says. And as followers of Jesus, that's really, really important because the greatest thing that this word reveals to us is how a person is saved the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, if God's word is like our word and is not reliable and is it, and it's, it's kind of fishy and we're not really sure if it will take place or not take place, then, then what can we trust? What can we believe? Do we just believe this part and that part? Because in this word, God says that if you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you will be saved. But if his word cannot be trusted and if his word doesn't follow what it says and if it doesn't accomplish what it sets out to do, then we cannot rely and we cannot depend upon our salvation. I'm so grateful that God's word accomplishes what it sets out because God's word has promised and set out to save me. And I am dependent upon that accomplishes that salvation and it accomplishes your salvation it it does that because it is it is full of power and authority it prospers it was said of Jesus in Luke chapter 4 verse 32 and they were astonished as at, at his teaching for his word possessed authority it's profitable because it prospers because it's powerful. Because it's authoritative. And that truth, that power, that authority makes this word profitable for us. Scripture comes from God, and because it comes from God, it's true. And because it's true, it's useful and profitable for our lives. And Paul tells us two ways specifically that it's profitable for us. He uses four ideas, but two, that, two categories, So he says, first, it's profitable for teaching and for reproof. See, here's how the Word of God, here's how the Bible is profitable and helpful for you. Because it tells us what to believe. It's profitable and beneficial for teaching. The Bible teaches us, it explains to us what we need to know and what we need to believe. In fact, there's a lot of things that we can understand and know about God. We, we can know that there is a God. You can look at the, the, the human DNA and the human body and you can discover that there's probably something behind this that made this. You, you can look at, have you ever been astonished at the stars or, or the weather or, or anything outside and just been like, there's got to be someone behind that? You see, it's not hard to look out the window and see that there is something higher and beyond. But that's all we know. We can decipher that man, that there's, 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 there's problems in this world that we can decipher because we have a conscience that, that there is a right and there is a wrong, but, but where's the line for that? We, we can figure out that there's a morality code and something that we need to follow, that there is right, there is wrong, there is good, there is evil, that there is something higher. But that's all we can know. So he gave us his word to know more. He shows us how it begins. He shows us how it ends. He shows us why it's good, why it's bad. He shows us who he is. He shows us our problem and our predicament. And he gives us the solution. You and I would never know anything about Jesus Christ and why we need Jesus Christ without this book you see it shows us beneficial it's profitable because it shows us what to believe and what not to believe you see it's profitable for teaching and he also says for reproof for convicting us of false truth for helping us see the deception and the lies of this world you see, the Bible is to be our teacher. It's also to be the lens from which we see everything so that we can see good and evil, so that we can see justice and injustice, so that we can see right from wrong, and so that we can see truth from lies. The Bible is given to us. God's Word has given us to weigh everything. One of the confusing things about our world, one of the confusing things about the church, and one of the confusing things about people like you and me as Christians, is so oftentimes we're looking at this world through the wrong lenses we're looking at this world through our perspective or our political perspective or our background and upbringing when what we need to be looking at this world is through the Word of God, the lens of Scripture because that's the clear 2020 vision of what we need to see and what God wants to show us and decipher for us. The Word of God is profitable for us because it it shows us what to believe and it also is profitable because the second thing, it shows us how to live. It shows us what to do. It said it's profitable for teaching for reproof, but it's also profitable for correction and training in righteousness. It corrects in proper living, and it guides us and trains us in the proper righteous living, which is why this is such an unpopular book. That word, correction, We don't like correction. Nobody likes correction. You didn't like it when you were growing up and you got grounded, and for some of you, you got whooped. You got disciplined. We don't like it. And our world has gotten to a place where we don't really want to hear it. It's offensive. And so as a result... One of the problems that many churches have slipped off into and many pulpits have slipped off into is that only preach the good, sweet, uncorrecting sides of God's word. Because people don't want to feel uncomfortable. They don't like to be told that there's sin. And we have cut the legs of the Bible and God's word out from underneath. Because part of the purpose and part of the benefit of God's word is that it shows us how to keep our lives from being a disaster. How to keep our lives from being pained and painting this world. It reveals to us sin. And one of the most beneficial things that God's word can do is jump off the pages into your life and point out the things in your life that need to be corrected. Listen. If you don't want that, then you need to go to another church. The Bible teaches us. It corrects us. It shows us how to live. And it also, what does it say next? It trains us in righteousness. It it shows us how to live. It shows us the good way. It's not just a book of negatives. It's also a book of of, of positives. Guides us and trains us in the proper righteous living. It shows us how to be. It shows us how to experience all that God wants us to experience. It shows us the abundant life and the way of the abundant life. It reveals the gospel of Jesus Christ that gives us access into that through his blood. And then it shows us what we do with that and how we live in obedience and holiness. It gives us the truth to believe, to save us, and then it shows us how to live this saved life. I love what Abraham Lincoln said. In regard to this great book, I have this to say. It is the best gift God has given to man. All the good Savior gave to the world was communicated through this book. You see, this book reveals to us what to believe and who Jesus is and how to put our faith in him. And it also shows us what to do as a result of that how we live. It shows us what justice is and injustice is. It shows us what good and evil is. It shows us what righteousness and wickedness is. It shows us everything and it guides us through those things. It's to make us, it's profitable for your lives. What do you hope in? Where are you getting your instruction? Where do you get your truth? Your word, your encouragement, your direction, your purpose. There is nothing more profitable in this book, to find all of that in. It's his word. It's profitable. And listen, it's for you. This book was not made for First Baptist Church. This book was not made for religion. It's made for people. And it's made for a person just like you. Notice what he says in verse 17. That the man of God... Now, because of the teaching of the word of God, a man or woman of God is created by the gospel of Jesus Christ. So it it even makes the man of God, but then it also does this to that man of God. it's, It's for this man of God, so that that man of God or that woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The purpose of scripture, the purpose of God's word, is to complete you. It's to make you into what God intended you to be, that sin messed up. And it's to give you what you can't get on your own. It's to complete us and to equip us for every good work. This word equip means to be capable and proficient. It means to be able to meet all the demands of what we face. And that every situation and every scenario, we have what we need and we are equipped for what we need come to. So the Word of God is His Word, and it's true. It's authoritative, and it's without error. It's profitable for our lives because it it guides us and shows us what we need to believe and what we need to do, but it's also beneficial for our lives. It's for us. Listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter 15 verse 4. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might find hope. sense of what Paul is saying about Scripture and what Scripture says about itself is that it's given to us to enable us to meet the demands that life places upon us. There is not a moment or a situation in life That the words of this book do not speak to and it's not that they just speak to them it's the most valuable word you could hear and receive in any of it ronald reagan said this about the bible inside the bible's pages lie all the answers to the problems of the world and all the problems man has ever known it is my firm belief that the enduring values presented in its pages have a great meaning for each of us in our nation. The Bible can touch our hearts, order our minds, and refresh our souls. That's exactly what it does. It speaks into every area of our life. It speaks into every moment of our life. There's not a moment that the Bible is not sufficient. That doesn't mean that other things can't be helpful, but it does mean that nothing is more helpful This is why we hold the Bible so dear as a church. Because it's His Word, because it's profitable, and because it's for you. There is nothing you need more, and that I need more, than, than the Word of God. I, I want to tell you something. You know, I, I'm now 40 years old, so I've experienced a little bit of life, not much as, as much as many of you have, but. Um, a little bit of life. And so I've got experiences, and I've learned from those experiences. I've done some dumb things. And I've done a few smart things. And I've, I've figured some things out. I've read a lot of books, I've been to a lot of seminars, I've got degrees. I have opinions. And let me tell you something about my opinions they're right. They are the best opinions you've ever heard, and they're absolutely accurate. I've thought about these opinions, and I stand firm on my opinions and my vantage point and my viewpoint and my perspective. I'd love to argue with you, and I'd love to convince you that my opinions and my way of seeing this world is better than yours, and you need to get on board with my way. I still haven't accomplished that in my wife, but I'm working on it. None of that will change your life. None of that will give you even a breath in heaven. None of that will help you in your deepest, darkest moments. None of that will help you navigate all the things that this world will throw of it. None of that will help you understand God more. I got one thing, and only one thing, that'll help you. This. And it is my job as your pastor to put my opinions and preferences. And outlooks and experiences aside, and do the best I can to give you this. You can go find the power of positive thinking, great experiences, great wisdom, all sorts of other things at many, many other places. They're all over. They have an incredible greeting team, a beautiful steeple, probably more comfortable chairs than we do. But what we really need is God's word. In a world full of opinions, in a world full of issues and problems, and in a world and a country that is in the place that it is, a divided place a place where we don't believe anything. We can't believe the real thing. We don't know what authenticity is. We don't know what the real is. Real deal is. This world needs this word more than anything else. And I think that's why we're here. And I want to tell you, it's what you need more than anything else. No matter what you're facing, what you're going through, this word has what you need. It'll guide you through all of those things. God wants to walk with you. He wants to whisper in your ear and help you and guide you through whatever you face. And this word gives it. This is why I believe it. This is why we preach it. And this is why it should be part of our daily lives. It's his word. And it's what our country needs more than anything else. Jesus, this word reveals The righteousness this world, this word explains, and the justice this word establishes and upholds. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. Many voices are vying for our attention. They're all over. They're more accessible than ever. We like our ears tickled. We, we like to hear good things. We like to hear things that motivate us and inspire us and, and sometimes challenge us and, and make us better people. And forgive us for not realizing that that's what your word does. That your word is the best word in doing that gives us what we need that we may not want and it gives us what we need that we may not even realize we need it gives us what we need in the moments that we are wanting and longing it gives us the guidance that we're looking for it shows us everything in every situation of our life lord help us to be people of your word to listen to your voice help us to be a church that teaches and proclaims your word, that weighs and values it over everything else, that weighs everything that comes in through the, the lens of the word of God. It may be something that we listen to on a regular basis as individuals, that as we listen to our podcasts and we, 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 we read articles and we read our social medias and we listen to the different things all over the media, May your voice have a chance at our ears, minds, and hearts as well. And may we let that have the first place. Thank you for the Jesus that you revealed to us in your word. Thank you for the character and nature that you show us of, in your word of who you are. Thank you for the guidance. And God, we pray that while this nation was established on this word, we do pray that this nation would would not forget that. That we would understand that the values and the principles that many of the early people that put this nation together, that they look to your word as a resource and as a guidance. Lord, we're getting really far away from that. Help us to come back this world does need justice and this world does need righteousness and liberty and, and goodness and you've allowed us as a nation for a long time to have have a place and be a leader in those things so take us back I pray from the very top to the very bottom to, to our president, vice president congress members, Lord that You'd help them to see the Jesus that this word reveals and the righteousness and law and justice that this word reveals all the way to our voters. We thank you for the nation We pray that you would send revival to it and that you would start with each and every one of us by reviving our ears to listen to your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray.